Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Mella, lovely cushion header for Gerrard! Oh, beauty! So seven years after leaving Liverpool as a player, Steven Gerrard returns to Anfield for the first time as a manager. He reckons there's no sentiment on the day, but what about the fans? Surely there is. That plus a clean sweep in the Champions League group stage uh, ticked off with a win in the San Siro. I'm Steve Hoversall. This is the Red Agenda. Special guest today, the two Neils. We have former Liverpool striker Neil Meller and the Anfield Raps, uh, Neil Atkinson. Welcome along, gents. Stephen Gerrard's return. We've got to go straight to Neil Meller because you played with him. You, you know him well. He's still in touch with him. And this day at the weekend feels historic in many ways, Stephen returning as a boss. Yeah, strange one, isn't it? You know, I think for him, I don't think he ever thought he'd return to Anfield as, as an opponent. Uh, and that's what he is at the weekend. He was one of our greatest players. I think he was one of the greatest we've ever seen in the Premier League as well. And the reason being is he was a winner. He always wanted to be the best he could be. And whether that was on match day, when thousands were watching, millions watching, whether that was at Melwood on the training ground, he wanted to be the best every single day. And he was really inspiring to be around, not just for me as a a teammate, but also my other teammates. So I think he goes in at Aston Villa as somebody who has that aura about him, that inspiration as being one of the best but because he's a winner, he will have disconnected himself as the player to now being the manager. And he'll be saying to those players, now it's up to you to go out there and perform and be the best you can be. I won't be there at Anfield on Saturday, but I certainly hope he will be getting a great reception. I'm sure once the whistle goes, <laughs> that'll be a different matter because he's in the opposition dugout, don't forget. Um, and, and he'll be going there to win for Aston Villa because he is that ultimate professional. Neil, let's go to well, Neil Anf- Anfield Rap. We'll call, we'll call you Mel's. Neil Anfield Rap. Neil, um... There is sentiment, isn't there? What are your emotions towards him now? The idea of there is, there has to be, otherwise what's the point of football? There has to be sentiments within football. You know, the, the whole thing has to work on an emotional level and if it doesn't, then we're all wasting our time uh, is always where I end up with this. I'm intrigued by Gerard as a manager. I think he's a really interesting manager. I think the, the nature of his, his side at Rangers and how solid it was defensively how few opportunities and quality opportunities it gave away at all levels in the game including at European uh, European levels really interesting to me this idea that Gerard, who was at times as a player this force of nature of attacking nature has ended up at Rangers creating quite a defensive unit really interesting but there's other 
levels of emotion and the 11 that matter are the 11 that play for Liverpool the manager that matters is the Liverpool manager we're in this because we want to create new legendary stories new legends and new legendary moments and this season's a great opportunity for it you know what do I want from Saturday I want there to be loads of emotion directed towards Steven Gerrard on the 81st minute when Liverpool are 3-0 up and I want Steven Gerrard to have to basically ignore it because that's what he will do because he'll be focused on the fact that he's managing a side that are 3-0 down that's what I want this game to be. Uh, I want to load a chorus of Steven Gerrard songs from the cop last 10 minutes. I want Gerrard to know how much he's loved and admired as he takes home a 3-0 defeat. Uh, that's how this works and that's how it works. That's how football, that's how all games should work but it's certainly how football works at the most basic level. You know, play six aside with your mates, you're desperate to beat them. Absolutely desperate to beat them. Play golf with your mates, you're desperate to beat them and you don't forgive them a thing. Play any game you want with your friends. If you don't want to beat them, I don't believe you're actually friends with them. I, I'd like to think as a collective we are friends with Steven Gerrard so I want us to absolutely batter his Aston Villa team Right that's a really interesting notion because Liverpool have been pretty good at humiliating sides Mel's do you really want Steven Gerrard's Villa team to be humiliated by this brilliant Liverpool team well, I look at the game and think I want Liverpool to beat Aston Villa. You know, Stephen Gerrard is the manager and he will always be loved at Liverpool Football Club, regardless of what the result or the outcome is on Saturday. Stephen Gerrard will always be loved by, by Liverpool Football Club. So I look at it as an important game to say, OK, we can go back top of the Premier League table. And whether we win 1-0, 4-0, 5-0, I'm not really bothered. I just want to see how we get the three points. And yeah, I don't, I don't want Stephen Gerrard... Um, to, well, well, Steve is it. Steve is a professional. He's going there as the Villa manager. He's not coming there as anything to do with Liverpool. He's an opponent at the weekend. We'll love him before the game. We'll love him after the game. But during that ninety minutes, it's about getting three points. It's not a road show. It's not a testimonial. And let's be clear about this: the person who'll be most committed to the fact that it's not a road show, it's not a testimonial, is Steven Gerrard. You know, as far as he's concerned, he'll be turning up. Absolutely, he knows what it means for for his Villa side in the short term for what he's trying to achieve at Aston Villa to come and win at Anfield. He knows exactly what that means in the longer term possibly for what we could describe as his wider ambitions what it might mean in his first match at Anfield to get a victory as Aston Villa manager you know he's trying to build a project there I think he's been really interested how he's spoken post-match as Villa manager you know the idea he needs belief he needs people to buy in there'll be nothing that'll get him more buy-in from I think he's already got it from the supporters but internally within the squad and within the club than going to Liverpool and winning Steven Gerrard will be as desperate to beat Liverpool as we are desperate for Liverpool to beat Aston Villa, whether you add the Steven Gerrard bit in or not. And I think the bit of it that I really want to therefore ramp up, I think, is let's, you know, let's make a point here that we are not being blinded by emotion. We're not getting carried away with any nonsense on and off the pitch. There is a, you know, we're talking about a Liverpool team that genuinely, genuinely could do a league and European Cup double this season. Losing to Aston Villa or dropping points against Aston Villa hinders, I would argue, both. One of the ways you manage to do both is if you're able to take your eye off one at some point over the course of the campaign. You know, Liverpool need to get as many points on the board as humanly possible. We've got a match up against a brilliant Manchester City side who last game out or two games ago out beat Aston Villa. We've got a match that result we match that result and then it's another step forward towards a 20th league title he's developed brilliantly as a manager and of course he was your captain in your team Neil if you think back then and I think the conversation particularly maybe from the, the, the journalists and I was one of those who was covering the side at the time was that Jamie Carragher was the more likely person to go into management at a higher level did you think at that time and during 2004 5 6 you, you saw his qualities as a captain did you think that would transfer to a managerial level? 
we were young. Didn't think, didn't think our football careers were going to end at that point. Um, <laughs> it was uh, Stephen Gerrard is one of our great players that have represented our football club and to have watched, even for neutrals, you know, look at Stephen Gerrard as one of the greatest to have played in the Premier League. So, so to be around him, I remember watching it some days in training thinking, how are you so, still so good in training? You know, it, it, the levels <laughs> were there every single day and I'm thinking, I've got no excuse. I'm not as good as you, but I've got no excuse to not be turning those sort of effort levels in every day in training, wanting to be the best. He was the best anyway, but he wanted to get better every single day. So when I looked at him as a player, I saw him as the best player. I didn't know if he, what would happen, but what I would say about Steven Gerrard and even Jamie Carragher, they're winners. So whatever they were going to go on to, they were going to succeed. Carragher's gone into the TV, succeeding, doing really well. Steven Gerrard's gone down the coaching route, done really well. 18s to start with at Liverpool, the academy. Then at, at Glasgow Rangers, had success there. He's a winner. And that's all he knows. Whatever he was going to go into, he was going to be a winner of. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How much more difficult, Neil, do you reckon this challenge is for him now in the Premier League? Is it far more unforgiving than the job he had at, at Rangers as the pressure escalated massively? Or or is that maybe, you know, making too much of a big deal of that, that switch? I, th- I think the pressure on stopping Celtic from getting 10 in a row is the sort of pressure that you, you don't get at most football clubs. And I'll include in the short term at least Aston Villa. Aston Villa's a job which, if you succeed, you ratchet up the pressure on yourself. But ultimately, the first thing he's had to do when he's come into that club is stabilise a club that looked as though it could possibly get dragged into a relegation fight. Well, he's already achieved that, to be honest with you. You put three wins in four together in this league at the minute, and my God, doesn't the table look healthier for you? And that goes for anyone outside the top three. To be honest with you, that'll go for Manchester United at the moment. If Ragnik wins three of the first four, the table will look a hell of a lot healthier for him. So he's done that. You know, I, th- I think that... The, we have the idea that the focus is greater in the Premier League and there's there's elements of truth to that, but it's definitely more intense if you're in Glasgow and you're trying to stop Celtic from winning 10 consecutive league titles and those opportunities open up for you and you go from there. So I think he'll be used to the intensity of all of this and he'll be used to the intensity of being Liverpool captain. You know, it was in lots of ways, lots of aspects of Stephen's life. If he'd have moved, I'm not going to say to Chelsea, but let's hypothetically say he moves to Real Madrid in 2003 or 2004, he's more able to, for instance, go and spend time in Madrid City Centre than he is to be able to spend time in Liverpool City Centre. He knows where the focus is and how much it was on him then. He's already had to show the broadest shoulders imaginable in terms of being Liverpool captain through that era, which was also quite a tumultuous era as well. So I think that you know the idea of Gerard's mental strength or that he's going to come under some sort of microscope or that that bit could get difficult for him, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. The question, and this is where I think it's interesting that you know both of you, uh, but Neil has brought up uh, the, the nature of Jamie Carragher as well. What I think is really interesting about Jamie and, and, and must be the case for Stephen is I think they're both really, really open-minded people. They're both open to new experiences and new ideas and new ways of doing things and learning all the time and continuing to develop. One of the key things that's always said about Gerard is that he he really wants to develop. We have this thing, I think, at times where we think that managers are finished, like they're created and they're set in a certain way and they're that manager forever. If you look at 
Klopp and Guardiola, I don't think you've ever seen sort of managerial great to appear as open-minded to new things, new ideas, Liverpool bringing in a throwing coach, you know, all the stuff that gets at times thrown at some managers. These are really thoughtful people who are open to the world, and I think that you get to see that in, in the way in which Carragher goes about his punditry. And it seems as though, you know, with Stephen's immediate success, you don't get to be that sort of manager if you're not open to ideas, if you're not open to fresh and different ways of doing things. And that's where I think he is, and that's one of the reasons why I think he could well be exciting as a manager, is that he's not just... There will be a Stephen Gerrard way and a set of expectations he has for everyone at Aston Villa, but that won't be set in stone forever. He'll be constantly going, how do we get better? How do we get better? How do I get better? How do I improve? How do I develop? And that's the nature of the personality of Stephen. There's a really good piece on The Athletic at the moment. Kiva's written it. It looks at his first year in management with it, with the under-18, spoken with Liam Miller and, and many others, because you know you covered them at, at the academy. And I just wonder at the time, Neil uh, Mels, what you thought about his management style and how perhaps that might differ to his captaincy style. I remember watching plenty of those games when he was uh, in charge at the 18s. He was really open about his style. I had a chat with him before a few of those games. And you have to look at Curtis Jones, who's now in our first team and an established first team player. He had a big influence on someone like Curtis Jones, who was a talented boy. But the attitude can be so important for these young players at a crucial time in their lives. Now, now Curtis was flying 15, 16 in the youth team and you're thinking... He needed someone like Steven Gerrard around him just to say, okay, well, these are the standards you need if you are to progress. And I'll always remember the game. Liverpool played Tottenham in the Youth Cup. I think Liverpool were unbeaten at that point. And it was Scott Parker's Tottenham. Liverpool got battered. I don't know if it was 3 or 4-0. And Curtis didn't have a great game. And I remember after the game, Stevie was quite open and honest about it. He wasn't happy about the way Curtis had gone about things. Next day, Curtis was off social media. You know, all of a sudden it was one of those, you know, the distractions. The, he was back on it a week later. But it, but it was almost like, OK, you've got to take responsibility for this. And it was a poor performance. I remember one game against Newcastle. Liverpool were 2-0 down, got it back to 2-2, thinking we we're going to go on and win the game. We didn't. And in his post-match interview afterwards, Stevie was fuming. Didn't win the game. It's not good enough for Liverpool. 2-2 against Newcastle. Forget coming back to draw we didn't win the game and those players knew what was expected if they were to go on and play in Liverpool's first team and and even though it was a brief spell at under 18s I think the players in that group learned an awful lot and Curtis Jones is, is one that really stood out who who benefited from that year with Stevie I mean he's just got an aura hasn't he Neil about him that you know 99% of other managers perhaps don't have that individual aura you cultivate it as a manager over a period of time, but the good thing that Stephen's got for himself is he's got it from day one, and I think that that's a you know that's a big deal. I think that managers can end up with that aura. I think that the best way to get that aura is to win games of football. Don't get me wrong, and the quickest way to lose that aura is to lose games of football. But where Stephen is, you know, from minute one when he goes into the Aston Villa dressing room, all of those footballers that he's coaching, all of them, no matter where they're from in the world, will have watched Stephen Gerrard growing up and will have appreciated the type of footballer that he was growing up, you know, and I think it's worth remembering the type of footballer Stephen was in that he could do anything, you know, he could have played any position on the on the pitch and done so absolutely brilliantly. But the other thing that he had about him was that wholehearted commitment that he was, he, he never gave a dishonest performance in his life. 
And I think that that's something which, again, he's able to say, again, I set these standards, these are my standards, this is what I expect from you, and this is what we need you to do next. And I think him being able to have that real clarity is very, very important. That's not going to be the same, though. You know, orders can, can only take you so far, and that's why, for me, the more interesting part is all the other work that he, he has been and will continue to do. You know, he's going to have to, at some point, he's going to be, he, well, not at some point, he has already been judged on results, and so far at Rangers, they've been found to be successful results, the good results. So at some point at Aston Villa, he'll be judged on results, and then from there, you know, so far, he's on three out of four wins. The aura will maintain whilst the victories keep coming. And the question for, for Stephen, really, is what the limitations are with this Aston Villa squad. I think... We've got to remember that a manager can get more out of players, but he can't perform absolute miracles. You couldn't put Steven Gerrard currently in charge of, you know, hypothetically speaking, Norwich's squad and expect them to be able to qualify for the top four. It's not going to happen. So where are the limits for this Aston Villa side at the moment? What does he want to change over a period of time? What can he change quickly? For me, what's really interesting is he's got them more robust in the middle of the park very, very quickly. He's, he's back Marvellous Nakamba in there. He's got Douglas Louise in there. And John McGinn, who's a footballer I'm sure we all admire. But one of the things about McGinn is you know you're in a game up against him and that's become his midfield three he's just gone to that he's played that I think pretty much every single time so far and that says to me that the first thing that Gerard wants is to know that his sides are going to be physically tactically in games at all phases and at all times and that again feels like Stephen you know the ultimate competitor I don't think Stephen's in this to to be winning games four or five nil don't get me wrong I'm sure he'd love to but I think the thing you want from his villa side from now until the end of the season is that in every single game they're not going to get whacked they're present in every single game, they're involved in every single game, they're involved up until the 90th minute. They'll be the standards that he'll expect. He won't expect Villa to be able to play the football at the level of Liverpool, Chelsea or Manchester City. But what he'll do, it won't be showy. It'll be, if anyone's beaten us, they'll have they'll absolutely crawl off the pitch after the beat us. And that's what we've got to be prepared for on Saturday. I think the biggest challenge and frustration for Steven Gerrard is he's at a football club that aren't expected to win things. At Liverpool, he was expected to be competing for win, winning for trophies, winning, 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 trying to compete for the title, trying to be in the top four, win trophies. At Rangers, exactly the same. I was at Aston Villa, and I don't believe the fan base are thinking top four. I know the owners are very wealthy, and there could be some significant investment in the coming time. But for him, who's used to winning, he's looking at a team of a mid-table. They've gone on a great run, three wins in four. But where are Villa finishing? To finish in the top six this season... That's going to be a massive ask with with the group of players that he has. So for me, I'm looking at Stevie going in there thinking, how are you going to cope with, at times, some draws here and there and that frustration of being 8th, ninth, 10th in the table with Aston Villa? I think on that, first and foremost, I think he'll want to shift that mentality as quickly as possible. I think he'll have a big look at the FA Cup. Stephen, I think he'd be having a big, big, long look at the FA Cup and wondering can we can we really take a run at that. But I think his his aim will be to get to the end of this season and be able to point at what's happened since he's come in and go. So if we keep up what I've what I've just done there, we can challenge for top six next season, and then we go from there. And then if they get top six the following season, it then becomes right. We've done this. The next stepping stone is this, and I think that that's what Villa have got. Villa have got, and I think the hierarchy of Villa, what they've got is someone who will drive and set those standards. It's important, I would say, that he gets those standards into the club as a whole into those players but also into the supporters I don't like I've never liked the Aston Villa contingent when they've come to Anfield and sang ironic songs about their own uselessness which I don't like from any supporters to be quite honest with you but I've never liked it from Villa because they've won European Cup 
as far as I'm concerned, you don't get to therefore be ironic. You don't get to do the, you know, you're 3-0 down, we're going to win 4-3. You don't get to do the going down, so are we. You don't get to do any of that sort of stuff. You should, you should be taking yourselves deadly seriously. And Steven Gerrard will be taking Aston Villa deadly seriously. He'll be taking them deadly seriously as a proposition. And I think that already, you know, you see some noises just keeping an eye on certain people around, uh, social media on Villa supporters who I know. And I think already that he's pulling about a little bit of a shift there. If Steven Gerrard's managing them, he'll have the attitude that we are not here to make up the numbers. So every single one of those Villa players, backroom staff, supporters, everyone's got to walk that walk. We're not here to wait to make up the numbers. We're here to win. And of course, we spent 17 minutes talking about him because actually the, the romanticism <laughs> or, the, or the thought is that a few years down the line as he grows even more, he might be someone in contention to come to Anfield. But there's absolutely zero sentiment when it comes to FSG. We saw that with, with Kenny Dalgleish, Mel. So there's, there's zero guarantee that Steven Gerrard does end up as Liverpool manager. Yeah, yeah, I know. But whatever happens with Steven Gerrard, he will always have a role at Liverpool Football Club, whether that's one day being a manager, whether that's one day coming back in a different capacity for what he's done at our football club. And, and like I say, you know, to be established as one of our greatest, he will always return in whatever capacity. I think ideally it would be great if he did come back one day as a manager and have success himself. Ultimately, at the moment, you're looking at Jurgen Klopp and thinking, don't want this regime ever to end. He's been absolutely brilliant with how things have uh, gone for him at the moment. But but that's a possibility. And um, yes, OK, with, with, with Sir Kenny, he did win a trophy, but it's ruthless football. You know, can be quickly forgotten with, with the good things that have certainly been done at the football club. He's at Villa. He's got to do well at Villa. You know, Neil's talking there about how we can potentially close that gap to the top six. I think he's got a job on his hands to do that. But if he can achieve success, then obviously Liverpool becomes a real possibility after that. But also Stephen wouldn't want the two things. Stephen wouldn't want the job out of some sort of sentimental move. He'd want the job because he's earned it. He'd want the job because he's the right man for the job at the right time. And that's worth bearing in mind. He doesn't want this as a runners-up prize. He doesn't believe in runners-up prizes. He wants it because, because it's the right thing for everyone. But the other re- the reason why he wants the job, he wants the job solely so he can win major honours with Liverpool again as a manager. So he's got to be ready himself for that, you know, for that challenge. He's got to be the manager who's, who's capable of doing that at the right place at the right time. It would be about as crushing as it could possibly be for a man who's achieved everything that he's achieved, Stephen Gerrard, who's got the life that he's got, who's, you know, earned the success that he's earned, if he managed Liverpool and it failed. You know that would be that would be the worst possible outcome, and for for us, but also for for, for Stephen, we've had a great time with Jurgen. There'll be more great times to come. You know, in the same way that, for instance, ultimately now the the person who most misses out, so then Liverpool don't win the league in thirteen fourteen. It isn't even Brendan Rodgers anymore. It's Stephen Gerrard. You know, we got one. We got one. And we, we we've had the eighteen. You know, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty run. We got that in the end. Stephen didn't, and it's so sad that he never got it. He's coming back to win if he comes back way down the line whenever it comes if he comes back he's coming back to win for Steven Gerrard the nature of who he is what we know about him as a competitor as a person he's not again he's not coming to Liverpool to make up the numbers he's coming he'd be coming back to Liverpool to win so he's got to be ready and part of being ready is doing really good jobs elsewhere learning from your mistakes obviously but learning constantly learning 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 and what Steven's doing right now if he's doing it as I think he is because I think the ultimate prize will be success as a manager with Liverpool Football Club it's only worth doing the stuff that you're doing right now if you're constantly learning, constantly improving, and that's the sort of character he is. Oxley Chamberlain. Oxley Chamberlain, manual save. Salah follows in, and Liverpool are level. And here is Sadio Mane. 
beaten out by Mignon, back in by Origi, and Liverpool snatched the lead. Let's turn the conversation to Liverpool's Champions League clean sweep. They're already qualified in the group. The side showed significant rotation. It, it wouldn't have been a surprise, Mel's, if, if Liverpool weren't at the same level for that AC Milan game, but they were. Yeah, enjoyed it. Eight changes. Do you know what? I think AC Milan looked at the team sheet and thought, Marnie and Salah are playing. And I sensed a little bit of fear in their performance. Um, I know AC Milan have done very well in their own domestic league, but they have not been in the Champions League for a number of years. They have not been playing in a huge European game like this one for a while. And they had, they had the opportunity to get second. But as soon as they saw the team sheet, yes, eight changes, but they were thinking they've still got Marnie and Salah. We, we cannot be too attacking because leave ourselves open for, for that. And I thought the performance reflected um, that fear. I saw it at Wolves. I thought Wolves were really poor at home. Again, dropped a lot deeper than they have done in a lot of Premier League games. The fear Liverpool have at the moment, because we're playing so well, because we're creating so many chances, winning games, scoring goals, it's now reflecting in the opposition with how they approach the games. And I thought that was clear to be seen from AC Milan. Gifted a goal. You know, the opening goal, they didn't deserve it. It was a defensive error. We should have handled that one better. But the response was was incredible, wasn't it? And um, we deserve that victory. I mean, you, you could say about a number of players, the performance, you know, Nat Phillips, I thought the reason why we're perhaps in the Champions League is because of how he performed at the back end of last season to get a game at the San Siro. Magnificent for him. Canate dealt with Ibrahimovic superbly well. Tyler Morton. You know, I've watched a lot of him at the academy, playing the full 90 in the San Siro, looking accomplished, being trusted with the ball, having a couple of men around him on the edge of his box. There you go. You can look after that ball for us. Do you know what? It was great to watch. And what we have at a football club at the moment, eight changes, we have an identity. We've got players coming in saying, OK, fine, I've not been starting, but I still want to perform. And the performance levels were there. Neil, would you, would you try yourself a Cruyff turn in your own box as Nat did? I mean, at the awful level I play at, absolutely not, Steve. Uh, with nothing well, right Mel's, on. Mel's, would you would you have tried that? <laughs> it was the most unnat Phillips thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but would it be unmellow? Would you? Is it, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get in in the head of these players that perhaps wouldn't be associated with doing that sort of thing. It's fair enough to say you were, you know you you wouldn't have been attached to a Cruyff turn. Would you, would you have done it in your own box though? I, I'm not sure. Nat would have done it if you, you know before he had that run at the back end of last season. He's got the confidence, the belief. He's trusted by the manager. I think he's well appreciated by the fans as well. And uh, he just did what came natural to him and sent two AC Milan players for a pie. It was brilliant. <laughs> It's great the way he slides along the floor, that Milan player, yeah. Neil, isn't it? It is, it's great. I do think that there's a funny thing for Milan in the game because Neil's right when he, he points out they'll have seen the team sheet with Salah and Mane and gone, oh, it's Salah and Mane. And they will have done that. But I think there's something else which is there for them. I think they start quite fast, Milan, for 10. And then they start to try to conserve the situation. Liverpool grow into the game, they play a little better and Milan begin to sort of dip. I think what's hard if you're the Milanese manager at that point is this idea that what you're thinking is, well, they're not playing 90 the one thing I know is they're not going to do 90. So can we therefore get to the point at which they get subbed and then we find another level? And I think there is an element of them doing that. But then I think what happens is that Liverpool's fringe players who may, may have been able to be rattled earlier in the game are playing with such assurance by the time Mane and Salah go off that they're rising above the level that AC Milan can hit until we get to about the last 10 when Milan throw a bit of the kitchen sink at it a little bit. And even then, Liverpool aren't rattled as such. And the other thing they've got at that stage is you've got a goal. You know, in all football matches, if you've got a goal to defend, if you're one up, if you feel like you've got you've got a, a bit of a strut in your step at that point and you've got something to defend, then everything goes up a notch. Everything goes up another level. So Liverpool's players have grown in assurance. They've grown in certainty. They believe in the plan. 
they've got a goal to defend and AC Milan are a tiring side at that stage of proceedings who feel their Champions League chances absolutely ebbing away. I think it's such an interesting and excellent performance. It reminds me in a, in a slightly different way of the, the win against Everton in the 1920 season in the third round of the FA Cup where a number of changes were made and Liverpool grew into that game as well. Lallana brilliant in the middle of the park with Shiravella, a couple of less fancied footballers knocking around that day. And those by the time you get to the 90th minute, as Neil's saying, you're watching a Liverpool team, a really good Liverpool team forged in the in the image of all the Liverpool teams you've seen under Jurgen Klopp. And for me, this is the I think this is the strongest we've looked in terms of what you can call fringe players. The manager wouldn't call them fringe players. He'd hate me for even using the phrase fringe players. But you're looking at this and you're thinking, well, I'd I'd fancy Chamberlain pretty much anywhere. I'd fancy Shimakas. You know, if, if something awful happened in the run-up to a Champions League final around Andy Robertson and Liverpool had to play Shimakas, we wouldn't all be going, well, all hope is lost. We'd be saying, well, let's see how he does. Let's see how he does here. You know, you'd fa- you're able to go through a number of these little positions. At the mo- at the minute, Divock Origi. You know, Divock comes in there. He's going to have a role to play in January. You know, we know that. We expect that. But you're looking at, at Origi at the minute, and it's some finish, that, by the way. Both the finishes are great. They've been underplayed because the rebounds. Both the finishes are absolutely exceptional. I mean, Neil will tell you far better than I will. Dealing with balls, coming back off the goalkeeper at pace, just because the goalkeeper's in a bit of bother. There's loads of reasons why those goals don't get scored anywhere near as much as you'd think, because it's so difficult to control the ball into the net when that sort of thing's happening you've got no time to prepare or react they're both excellent finishes and across the park there's just excellent performances from a Liverpool point of view and it just bodes so well for what's going to become certainly around Christmas New Year and then into January a slightly fraught period in terms of the number of games let me just say those goals are scored by anticipation Salah thinking keeper's going to spill that Origi thinking I'm going to get this ball. And that's why you see a lot of attacking players miss it because they're not expecting it. They're on the heels of thinking, oh, I'm reacting rather than expecting there to be a rebound. And, and great finishes, but it's in the mind to think, I'm, I'm, going, to get, I'm going to get this ball because it's coming off the goalkeeper, it's coming off the post. And that's why they're getting that finish. Both you guys have basically talked about strength and depth in the squad. Do you, do you think, Mel's that actually that was maybe underestimated from the Liverpool fan base at large a couple of months ago? But now, actually, that it's almost like Jurgen's never underestimated it, and we're, and we're actually seeing what they have got underneath that. Maybe the you know the first choice players. Well, I think last year was was so frustrating for us all, wasn't it? The amount of injuries. We we're sick of talking about it. Different centre half partnerships. The balance was was being ruined throughout the team, having to play central midfield players at centre half. Fabinho, Henderson. It, it was it was affecting everybody, and that was a real test on the squad. Whereas this year we have had injuries. But we've been managed to cope because it hasn't upset the balance because we've had so many sort of midfield players, really. Uh, and I know we've had injuries in that position, but centre-halves, we've been solid. Van Dijk's back there, Alisson. You know, we've, we've had our core positions, OK, and we haven't had to disrupt the balance. I think the squad is strong. And the question will still be asked. Now, we're going into December, a really busy time. and rotating the, the team. We will see more and more for these games. Missing Mane and Salah. Salah started every single Premier League game so far and Champions League game. How will the team react to that? And that's the big question which I think Liverpool will have to answer this month and January. For only two Premier League games I know, and I know Neil mentioned about Origi, he was looking great, but around Salah and Mane, he's going to look great. Around other players, that is the question in January. So um, come through January, we're still top of the table. I'm going to feel really confident. 
the framework I think as Neil's saying there the framework's really important if you've got a goalkeeper and a back four that you can very much back and then you've got at least two players in attack that you can very much believe in you've suddenly got a lot of room for manoeuvre and suddenly footballers are able to step up and sides opposition sides have got to adapt the way they play create more space more room for players to express themselves it all gets more straightforward you get to see at least the attacking aspect of that against Milan so I think that that is a big deal from a Liverpool point of view I think the the key thing on the January period, the January period, if it is just Brentford and Palace, is that it is Brentford and Palace. Now, Palace, don't get me wrong, they're playing ever so well, but they themselves will lose a couple of players, including their best player in Wilfred Zaha. But yeah, I think you can make an argument that those games are likely to be obviously tighter. And I mean that both sorts of literally how the football match plays out because they'll be able to keep higher lines, I suspect, than they might do um, without Salah and Mane. Uh, and Liverpool will have to sort of have a plan around that. But I think in general... Having the, the structure and having the, the balance, it allows you to, for instance, you know, there was a lot of match day squads last season that Oxley Chamberlain made, but he didn't make that many appearances. At the minute now, as I said before, you could you feel as though you could pick him in any game and you'd feel as though that's fine, but he's got to play his way into that. You know, six weeks ago, people were, were very much talking as though Oxley Chamberlain's Liverpool career was likely to be over. The manager never thought that, and I hope that Oxley Chamberlain didn't. But he's got to play his way in, and he gets to play his way in because if you've got one out of your 11 who's not quite right, then you can allow a bit of time and you can make a bit of leeway. Last season, Liverpool would have midfielders at centre-halves, other players therefore not quite right, no Fabinho therefore in the heart of the midfield, able to give you a bit of a platform to go and play. You know, all of this sort of stuff knocks the balance off. So I think it's easier if you've got that balance to be able to have one or two who can then get the opportunity to shine. Neil, just quickly on Ox, he would have been fuming that he didn't play in the last two Premier League games, Everton and Wolves. But look at his attitude against AC, AC Milan. And I think that's a real strength that we have at Liverpool Football Club. I don't know how often it gets mentioned. That dressing room is really, really strong. Uh, and that is a, a massive strength that Liverpool have at the moment. Ox wants to play. He's flying. I think he's looking great. Almost in the form that he had before his injury. And he's been dropped for two games then. He's thinking, what, what more do we have to do to stay in the team? He comes in. And again, he says to the manager, listen, you can call on me whenever you want. And I think that's great to see that we have that in the squad at the moment at Liverpool. I think that's also it's a big deal that at least he's, he's managed to get a couple of appearances in those games from the bench. He's not been sent out into the cold. It's been that we're doing this for these ones. I think there is that unbelievable togetherness. And I think that's massively down to, it seems like, they see the job of playing for Liverpool, not just to be the appearance. They all want the appearance, but it's also what they're doing in the week, how they're working with one another, how they're interacting with one another. The other thing they know as well, Neil, I think, is that you know the opportunities aren't that far away. It's a really strange thing to sort of think, but you know if you are Oxlade-Chamberlain, you are aware of the fact that Thiago gets occasional niggles. You know Henderson's got a little bit of a record there, even Fabinho to an extent. You're not that far away from being back in and I think that's you know in a really weird way in the past you know, we all want our players to be fit all the time but what the, what the idea of you know if I just keep plugging away keep showing keep, keep making clear who I am a chance will come firstly he's going to rotate but secondly someone could just get a little bit of a knock that puts them out for two weeks and I think the other thing they all know this season I think Liverpool have been really genuinely safe with injuries they're not rushing anyone back and they're not playing playing someone if they're not right you know, I think there's been a couple of games this season, I think one where Fabinho doesn't start, where I think if it had been a Champions League final, from the way the manager talked about it before and after, and the fact that he then plays the next game, you sort of think, you know, well, he probably could have started that, but we, 
we, we've heard on the side of caution. What we don't want to be doing is rushing players back because we've seen what the knock-on effect of that can be. There's chances for all of them all the way through the season, and Chamberlain's going to end up getting, I think, the other side of 20 Premier League and Champions League starts this season. That's that's a really good season. That's a really good season for any player. Last season, I think Henderson and Thiago both got 27, 28. Chamberlain's going to be the other side of 20, and that is, you know, when you actually weigh all that up in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, that's a really, really good campaign. In our minds, I think we think that if you're not absolutely nailed on every single week, things aren't right for you. But opportunities will come, especially with how much Jurgen Klopp works those midfielders. Right, let's cap this podcast off with with a thought on how good this team is. Two years ago, I did a an LFC TV programme with Neil Atkinson who said, cherish this side, this is the greatest football you're ever going to see. They won the league and proved him absolutely right. Mels, we'll go to you first. Is this team producing the greatest football you've ever seen? Yeah, I'm with Neil. This era is a time to enjoy one. <laughs> yeah. you've, you've mixed the two. Well, well yeah. I mean, what the manager's done, you, you know, he's created a togetherness, a connection, not just the players, the fans. When you go to Anfield now, you cannot wait to watch Liverpool because yeah. we are a great team to watch. And okay, there may be the odd change, but you're thinking, oh, can't wait to watch Salah, the attacking players. What are they going to produce today? Scoring goals are fun. I think it's down as 30 games in a row we've scored him. And don't forget, this is coming up against opposition that are packing defences. Back five, two in front, say, break us down. And we're breaking them down. And we're creating chance after chance, 20 shots a game. This football is very entertaining. And it's unusual as a football fan to get to experience such longevity in your team at this moment. We have that at the moment. Let's enjoy it. It may bring us great success this season. Premier League, Champions League. It may not. But what we are is a football team that is unbelievable to watch and we are challenging with the very best in the game at the moment and I can't wait to watch the next one which is Villa. Neil Atkinson best ever? Yeah I think the the 1920 the team that sort of is honed up to the calendar year 2019 start of 2019 is the finest winning machine English football had ever seen. They win at the start of 1920 and it's still got lost in the COVID noise and it's understandable, but they win 26 out of the first 27 games and the one they don't win, they draw 1-1 at Old Trafford. They win 26 out of 27 games. No team has ever been better at winning in any of the top five leagues in Europe. Genuinely, no team has ever won better, been more winners. You know, the number of those games, they win 2-1, they win with late goals, so on and so forth. They were the most focused, determined winning units that you've ever seen. I think they won every game from when the clocks went forward in March to when the clocks went back in October. That is a terrifying thing, but it is true. Every league game, uh, and obviously they won the European Cup in there as well, losing at Barcelona, but winning 4-0 in the second leg. That's staggering. It's a staggering level of achievement and of competitiveness and of desire, of tactical acuity, of all these things. This team right now is better than that one in terms of being easier on the eye. So I don't think they're quite at the same plane of existence in terms of being a winning machine yet. Uh, We'll see if they manage to get there. They may not do. But that plane of existence is a plane of existence no other football team in the top five leagues has ever managed. So if you're not quite at that level, that's a perfectly acceptable place to be. Now, the big thing about the goals is the goals are deserved. And the goals aren't just through brilliant finishing or someone banging in 25 yards on a regular basis. Liverpool are opening teams up again and again and again. Every time Liverpool get on the pitch at the minute, they create so many opportunities and then they start to take those opportunities. And part of why I think they're quite philosophical about that is they know the opportunities are coming. So this team is, I think it could be, certainly maybe even going all the way back to 87-88, the best Liverpool team to watch. 
in terms of what it's doing going forwards. It's then got to add the silverware. It's got to add the idea of we win at all costs. But then we're doing this off the back of the fact that they went to the San Siro, conceded one, could have hidden, didn't, showed themselves, showed courage, won the game with eight changes. And the game before that, Wolves absolutely defend as though the lives the lives are on it. You know, they, they didn't just defend well, Wolves. They defended with an unbelievable level of commitment. They've camped in their own penalty area. And then Liverpool scored in the 94th minute to win 1 0. You know, they, they're doing those bits as well. They're starting to do those bits as well. And if they keep doing those bits as well and they're adding all the attacking, then God help everybody else. Guys, top class. As always, the two Neils Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap and uh, Neil Meller. Uh, of course, uh, former Liverpool player, and you'll see him on Sky Sports all the time as well. Boys, thank you very much indeed. That was the red agenda for you. Uh, and there'll be another one after the weekend, after that Aston Villa game. So we'll see you for that. <laughs>